This episode features dramatizations of body horror and harm to animals. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Something to note, the story you're about to hear is not a direct retelling of any single depiction of the shoujo. Today's episode combines elements from a number of Japanese legends and stories for dramatic effect. Hello everyone, I'm Vanessa Richardson, and this is Mythical Monsters, a Spotify original from Parcast. At last, our journey through Japan is coming to a close. We've traveled from the rivers of the Kappa and high up into the mountains of the Yamauba and Mighty Boggin. We've hidden from cannibal skeletons and hungry ghosts, and now it seems we've reached for the safety of the East China Sea. But after this tale, you may think twice about dipping a toe in the water. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we meet the Shoujo, a helpful creature who loves a stiff drink and shares many features with orangutans. But be careful what you do and say in its presence, for this mild-mannered beast can turn deadly in the blink of an eye. Coming up, we'll get drunk with a watery beast. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. If you type the word shoujo into a search engine, you might get confused. Shoujo can be used as a slang term for someone who drinks a little too much sake, a popular alcohol made from fermented rice. But it's also the Japanese word for a vibrant shade of red that's said to be derived from a monster's blood and used for colored dye. But both uses of the word, the color, and the term for sake lovers are derived from the legend of the shoujo, and for good reason. 
The shoujo, as I mentioned, looks something like an orangutan. The creature is described as having long red hair and shaggy reddish fur, but walks on two legs. And though the shoujo lives in the sea, they can also be found on land, drinking and gallivanting along the shore. Folklorists aren't sure how the stories of perpetually drunk, ape-like creatures dwelling on the ocean floor began, but they're certain the word shoujo originally came from China. However, the creature's obsession with sake makes them distinctly Japanese. According to some legends, the shoujo originally created the highest quality sake. They brewed it and then taught humans how to make it as well. And the shoujo and humans have enjoyed a somewhat friendly relationship ever since. Shoujo are said to be great partiers and noble friends who will drink the night away. But the shoujo's beloved sake is also their greatest weakness. Legend has it that the best way to lure a shoujo to shore is to brew warm sake on the beach. If you do, the shoujo may bless you with good health and bountiful fishing for the rest of your days. But if you plan to draw their blood to get that famous shoujo red dye, you'll quickly discover that even a happy drunk can be a deadly foe. Miles beneath the sea off the coast of Kyushu Island, two kelp-clad shoujos treaded water with their webbed feet, their wild, flame-colored hair wafting in the current. The smaller shoujo, called Ezumi, lifted his nostrils and smelled the water. He closed his eyes in pure bliss. Do you smell that, Yudai? Yudai shook his head. He didn't have as strong of a nose as his best friend. I smell nothing but kelp, he said. Ezumi's eyes went wide with excitement. It's something on the shore, clean, with a hint of citrus. The humans are brewing sake. Ezumi took off for the surface, kicking his short legs. Yudai looked up in frustration. He'd never understood the appeal of humans. It had become obvious they'd never match the shoujo in sake brewing, no matter how much the underwater beasts taught them. They were charming students, maybe, but had no real value. But if there was a new twist to be found on the liquor, Ezumi delighted in being the first to experience it. But that wasn't Yudai's way. He preferred to sip his own shoujo brew, savoring it in a way that kept him sober. Well, mostly sober. He called up to Ezumi, We have perfect sake right here in our wineskins. Let's wait until the humans leave the beach to enjoy it on the shore. But Ezumi kept on swimming. Yudai sighed. He usually found Ezumi's thirst tiresome, but now he was concerned. Two of their friends had gone up to the surface last week and hadn't returned. He worried that something bad had happened to them. Yudai swam up and grabbed his friend's foot and warned him, but Ezumi scoffed. Our friends are fine. They probably just got carried away at a human festival. I'm sure they're sprawled on the beach, drunk and happy, just like we will be when we make new human friends. 
Yudai doubted that, but he couldn't fight Ezumi's wriggling forever. He let go of Ezumi's foot and watched his kelp clothes flutter as he made his way to the surface. Yudai shook his head and swam up after him. Yudai poked his small red head out of the water to watch Ezumi swim to shore. Their shoujo friends were not lying on the beach as Ezumi had promised. Instead, Yudai saw two large men looking out at the sea, standing next to a pot steaming over a fire. The men were brewing sake and drinking it from the traditional small warmed cups. This seemed strange to Yudai. It took many steps to brew sake properly, and humans usually made it in their villages. Why do this all on the seashore? Unless you wanted to lure a sake-loving shoujo, Yudai was certain this was a trap. The question was, what for? What could they want from them? Brewing advice? A blessing? Then Yudai saw a knife strapped to one of the men's belts, and his blood went cold. Yudai paddled faster and shouted after his friend, Ezumi, please! But the other shoujo was too drawn to the cups of sake to notice anything else. And then it was too late. He was already on shore. The men smiled as they watched Ezumi scramble to the sand. But he didn't speak to the humans. He just grabbed a cup of sake, gulped it down, then picked up the next. The men came closer to Ezumi, and Yudai yelled again for him to come back. He'd had two cups, that was plenty for now. But Yudai's voice was lost in the roar of the waves. He watched as Ezumi's body swayed to a drunken rhythm. His eyes closed contentedly as his face flushed red from the alcohol. Then Ezumi's eyes snapped open. Frozen in pain, he looked out toward Yudai, who bobbed helplessly in the current. Yudai was unsure why Ezumi stopped smiling until he saw one of the men draw his knife up Ezumi's spine, ripping him open like the clams the shoujos feasted on. Yudai was horrified. Humans were meant to be grateful, to respect shoujo magic and be rewarded in turn. But there was no respect or balance here, only violence. The men did not wait for Ezumi to die. They brought their knives down, peeling red flesh from his bones and using the empty sake bowls to collect Ezumi's bright red blood. Yudai heard Ezumi make a strangled sound as he took his last breath. Yudai's heart dropped into his stomach. He floated in the waves, shocked, as he watched his best friend fall to the sand. The men leapt to the ground to catch Ezumi's blood in their bowls, laughing with glee. The tailor will pay us a fortune to dye his robes red with this monster's blood, one shouted. Yudai's sorrow turned to anger. These men weren't even hunting a meal. They were just mutilating Ezumi's body so they could turn a profit. Yudai narrowed his eyes in hatred when he heard a shout come from one of the men. 
They'd seen him. The humans crashed through the surf, knives in hand, coming straight for him. Panicked, Yudai dove as deep as he could until the depth swallowed all light. He floated there in the darkness, utterly helpless, as Ezumi's last horrible moments replayed in his mind. Yudai was racked with grief and anger. He knew he couldn't let what happened to Ezumi happen to another shoujo. Ezumi was going to be the last of their kind to suffer, and Yudai would have to make the humans suffer in turn. But it was going to be difficult. He had no sharp claws or venomous fangs. Yudai did have magic, but he'd only ever used it for merriment, for sake brewing and dazzling humans with tricks like transfiguration. He wasn't sure the magic would work with hate in his heart. Still, Yudai would take the risk. He wouldn't wait for the hunters to return to the sea, where other shoujo might be hurt. He needed to find them when they were vulnerable, without arousing any suspicions. It was time for Yudai to enter the human world. Coming up, Yudai seeks out revenge, as only a shoujo can. The worst serial killer, the creepiest cult, the most outrageous con? If you're a true crime fan, you've probably pondered these things. Well, now you can get answers, or at least some passionate opinions. Every week on our podcast, Crime Countdown, my co-host Ash and I rank 10 unsettling crimes centered around a common theme, debating each case with just a hint of humor to lighten the mood. Elena and I may not be experts, and we may not always agree, but we're counting down anyway. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Crime Countdown. Listen free on Spotify. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Now, back to the story. Yudai the Shoujo swam toward the surface of the sea. He was still sobbing for his best friend, Ezumi, who'd been killed on the shore by human hunters. They'd murdered him to collect his blood for a rare red dye. And Yudai was sure Ezumi wasn't the first. He had other friends who disappeared too. He was certain they'd met the same fate. The humans were smart. They'd tempted Ezumi with fresh sake. They knew what the shoujo liked, and they'd exploited it, just as they exploited the shoujo's friendly nature. Yudai's kind had always been good to humans. They'd taught them how to brew sake and to heal with the warmth and joy of the spirit. To repay a shoujo by stripping them of their flesh and blood was a grave betrayal. 
Dai was so focused that he was almost hit by a passing great white shark. He shivered at the creature's strength. If he were as powerful as a shark, he'd kill the hunters with his bare hands. But he wasn't, so he needed a more elegant solution. Yudai surfaced and swam along the coast until he reached the pier of the human fishing village. All was quiet. Only the harbor master was out, sitting on a bench and watching the waves with sleepy eyes. The man was older, with a kind face that Yudai would have trusted that morning. But now he was wary. Humans could look genuine, but Yudai had also learned just how deceptive they could be. The old man wore a simple blue robe and hat, exactly the sort of garment Yudai needed in order to blend in. He couldn't wear his kelp-made clothes on land, no. If he wanted to hunt for Ezumi's killers in the village, he had to get his hands on human garments. Yudai swam to the dock and hoisted himself onto the wet wood beside a barrel of delicious-looking fish. He hoped he didn't look too scary or silly with his short legs, long arms, and his red, hairy body. He needed the harbor master's respect and his clothes. Yudai approached the old man carefully. Greetings, great harbor master. I seek a trade with you. The man lifted one white eyebrow in surprise. I haven't seen a shoujo on land in a long time. What brings you here? Yudai didn't know if the hunters were this old man's friends, so he responded, That is shoujo business. However, I would like to exchange a favor for your robe and your blessing to move about your village in good faith. The old man eyed the wineskin of shoujo sake that hung from Yudai's belt. Yudai grasped it protectively. He would not be giving this man sake. It may have been the custom trade between the two species before, but humans didn't deserve it anymore. Instead, Yudai twirled so that his kelp clothes whirled around him. I'll give you my clothes. They'll help you blend in in the water and swim faster, too. The old man shook his head. Swimming is a young man's game. I'm much happier on the shore. Yudai was frustrated, but he didn't let it show. He removed a hook from his kelp robes. Then he plucked one of his long strands of red hair and tied it to the hook. Then take this. It is the greatest fish hook you can imagine. He could see the glitter of the old man's eyes. Yudai had his attention. All I ask for in return are your garments. A venerable man such as yourself must have many fine robes. The old man chuckled. I cannot walk back through town without my robe. Yudai's frustration grew. But think of how useful this hook and line are. Any sea creature can be yours. You don't even need bait. The old man shrugged. Yudai scoffed, then threw the hook over the edge of the dock and into the water. He held on to his strand of hair like a fishing line. Yudai thought of the creature that he wanted to find his hook. 
Already he could see the familiar sleek gray moving through the water. Then something pulled at the line ever so slightly. Yudai smiled. See, it attracts any creature you desire, regardless of size. The old man shook his head. This could be some trick with your friends, little shoujo. It's far too dark to see whatever fish you claim is there. Yudai grunted in irritation. His opinion on humans continued to sour as he took in the man's impassive expression. The very nerve to imply that he, a kind and noble shoujo, would play tricks when it was human tricks that harmed his friends. In his indignation, it took Yudai a moment to remember that he was playing a trick. He smirked at himself and pulled the fishing line tighter. Until a giant broke through the water. It was a great white shark with sharp yellow teeth. It was four times Yudai's size and at least six times as powerful, but it was fixed to the unusually strong fishing line made of red shoujo hair. It hurtled back toward the water with a massive splash. The old man was finally impressed. Perhaps a trade is in order. This beast could feed my family for weeks. But Yudai was no longer interested in trading. Just then, the shark broke the water's surface again, spiraling toward the dock, and clamped its massive jaws down on the first thing it saw, which just happened to be the old harbormaster's head. Yudai was thrilled until he realized he still needed the old man's robe. Yudai lurched forward and grabbed the man's body before the shark could drag it into the sea. He pulled with all his might as the shark thrashed back and forth. After what felt like an eternity, the rows of teeth sawed through the old man's neck. The shark collapsed on the dock, the man's head still in its mouth, as the old man's body fell limply into Yudai's arms. The shark looked pained. It opened its jaws wide to let the severed head roll out onto the dock, revealing an expression of horror on the old man's dead face. Yudai reached over to rub the shark's damp skin in apology. I'm so sorry, my friend. I've heard humans taste awful, but I really did need your help. Yudai pulled the hook from the shark's mouth and pushed him back into the water. Then he dumped the nearby barrel of fish into the sea for his magnificent friend and waved goodbye. Yudai disrobed and put the old man's clothes on. He donned the large hat and then untied the fishing hook from his hair to attach the ends of the robe together. He did not know if his magic carried from sea to land, but he called upon his powers with a hopeful smile on his face. It was time to avenge his friend. Coming up, Yudai enters a deadly game of wits with Ezumi's murderers. 
Now back to the story. Yudai the Shoujo didn't want to kill the human harbormaster, but the old man had refused to give him his robes, and Yudai needed them to sneak into the village to find and punish the hunters who'd killed his friend, Ezumi. Now that Yudai had something that belonged to the old man, he could take on his appearance, so he concentrated to call on his powers. This magic was mysterious and not entirely under his control. Yudai knew the spirits who ruled his skills might not take kindly to him using them for violence, but he swore this was for Ezumi's peace, not his own revenge. And so the magic let him transform into the harbor master. Yudai's arms got shorter and his legs grew longer, his fiery hair receded, and his red face paled to a soft pink. The only sign that he was a shoujo was the special sake wineskin at his side. Yudai took a deep swig of it for luck and bravery. Then he followed the road to the village square, where booths were set up for a festival. It was a happy scene. In the old days, when people had respect for the shoujo, Yudai would have hosted his own festival here with fresh sake for all. He would only brew one batch a year for the humans to enjoy. The sake made them merry and lighthearted because it was served with love. Yudai suspected that his new batch would treat the humans differently because he was serving it in pursuit of justice. Yudai passed a tailor's stand, half expecting to see Ezumi's skinned pelt on sale, but there was no clothing that bore even a hint of the vibrant red of shoujo blood. Yudai mused darkly to himself that the hunters had probably sold it to a fancy tailor in the city. He made his way to the sake shop owner's stall and offered to take a shift so the man could sample the other festival offerings. The man ran off, telling Yudai that he was a noble harbor master. Yudai moved behind the counter and pulled his own sake from his robes. He poured it into the vessel and lowered it into the warm water bath, enjoying the delicate fragrance as the rice wine absorbed the heat. Yudai's plan was a tricky one. He did not wish to share the sake with just any festival goer, so he had to be cautious. But he had a feeling there were two customers who would simply die to taste his brew. His first customer, however, was a young woman. Yudai had no choice but to serve her, and he wondered if his sake would poison her. If she was cruel, the drink would kill her in moments. But this woman seemed innocent. Then again, Yudai thought, all humans seemed innocent. The woman took a sip and smiled. Her cheeks flushed and she thanked Yudai. Yudai couldn't help but smile back. He felt his cold heart flare with joy, as some part of him had missed the camaraderie of the sake service. But his joy vanished when the two hunters stumbled drunkenly up to his stall. Yudai realized with horror they wore bracelets made of Ezumi's red fur, and they were smiling. 
If humans could hide behind their smiles, you die could as well. Ah, my friends, you two look like you could use some sake on this fine night. May I ask your names? The two men introduced themselves as Kanaya and Shige Kazu, and finally, Yudai knew the identity of his friend's killers. We want a sample of your sake, for free, Kanaya grumbled drunkenly. A free sample? Yudai had to contain his outrage. He had no use for money, but he still wanted to make them pay, in all senses of the word. He told the hunters that it was important to pay for luxuries. Kanaya scoffed. You hear that, Shige Kazu? The old man thinks he knows sake. Yudai got angrier, and as he did, he felt his magic slip. He wobbled on his feet, and his face throbbed. He was sure it was turning back to that inhuman shade of shoujo red. He coughed, forcing himself to concentrate. Yudai held up his special bottle of liquor. Ah, but this is unlike any sake you've ever tasted. Many kami spirits have tried this sake and come back for more. Shige Kazu rolled his eyes. Shopkeepers will say anything to make money these days. If spirits are your clients, go out and have them pay for it. Yudai realized that he had to compromise if he wanted the magic to do its work, so he focused his attention on Kanaya. He poured the sake into a small cup and held it out to him, doing his best to be magnanimous. I'll allow you one free sip. Kanaya wafted the cup under his nose before taking a tiny sip. He told Shige Kazu that Yudai wasn't exaggerating. It did taste different. Yudai bowed in thanks. Kanaya tried to speak again, but when he opened his mouth, Yudai saw that his tongue was dissolving. Kanaya gasped. His hands clutched at his throat as his skin began to peel from his face just as he'd skinned Azumi that morning. A look of horror came over Shigekazu's face as he watched Kanaya disintegrate. He looked around the festival, frantic, calling out for help. Yudai made a cursory call too, making sure to look very worried, even if, under his human guise, he was delighted. Kanaya's organs tumbled out of his torso as his body collapsed. Soon, he was just a pile of parts, just like Ezumi. Except Yudai doubted this hunter's blood would fetch a high price. Shigekazu started screaming. Several villagers gathered around, some stunned silent, others gasping in terror. Shigekazu pointed an accusatory finger at Yudai. Yudai felt a tingle through his body. He knew his magic disguise wouldn't last much longer. A crowd gathered around the stall, and Yudai feigned horror at the accusation. You all know me. I'm your harbor master. How could I possibly be responsible for this monstrous act? Perhaps the hunter offended some unseen yokai. To prove his point, he took a sip of sake from Kanaya's cup. 
he savored it and swallowed. The crowd still looked suspicious until the young woman stepped up saying she'd had the same sake moments ago and was perfectly fine. Shigekazu eyed Yudai warily, but even this drunk, angry hunter knew he looked like a fool for insulting the town harbormaster. Shigekazu muttered an apology, and Yudai said he forgave him, that his nerves must have been frayed from watching his friend die. Yudai pushed a cup over to Shigekazu, praising the sake's steadying effects. Shigekazu hesitated, Then he looked at the young woman who had drank the sake earlier. She didn't seem to be suffering, so he took a sip. As soon as the sake slid past Shigekazu's lips, Yudai couldn't help but let out a joyful whoop, and he lost his human disguise. His skin turned scarlet, and his long red fur sprouted from his flesh. Shigekazu gasped. He tried to spit up the sake, but it was too late. His skin was falling away. He clutched at his stomach, hoping to hold his organs inside. The crowd gasped in horror as Shigekazu began to deteriorate into a pile of flesh and body parts. Yudai looked on, beaming. It was then that he realized his mistake. In his selfish moment of triumph, he had forgotten where he was. The water was far away, and he was surrounded by humans, his true form on display. If they attacked, he would be doomed. But the humans did not attack. They cheered. From the way they smiled at the hunter's remains, it was clear that no villager liked him. Yudai was stunned. He looked to the young woman and asked, Do you not want to harm me? The woman laughed merrily, her cheeks flushed from the sake. Harm a shoujo? Why would any sensible person do that? You've only ever shown us kindness. I grew up hearing all about your noble deeds, like healing the sick, punishing the wicked, and, of course, bringing us delicious sake. Yudai stood in the middle of the crowd of humans, stunned. He couldn't believe it. He had killed two of their kind, and yet they didn't attack him. But perhaps it was as the woman said, he punished the wicked, and they realized something Yudai had forgotten, that some deserved punishment for their deeds, but not everyone was cruel. Yudai decided not to run. He stayed and brewed sake for the grateful villagers, who laughed and drank at his side. And when the last drop was drained, a drunk Yudai stumbled out toward the sea. Every villager bowed as he went, thanking him for ridding their village of those frightening hunters. It was a strange feeling to receive such tribute after so much pain. When he reached the dock, Yudai realized that honor and companionship had made him happier than his act of revenge. He decided he might come back to the next festival. He didn't think humans were so bad after all. 
In his tipsy musing, he tripped over the old harbormaster's headless corpse. Yudai cringed in shame. He'd completely forgotten about his first human victim. He almost felt bad about it, now that he'd made such good human friends. He didn't want to ruin a good thing, so he shoved the old man's body into the water and prayed it wouldn't wash ashore. Then Yudai dove back home to safety. Unlike his freshwater yokai cousin, the Kappa, the shoujo is almost always benevolent. He's perhaps too trusting when it comes to human drinking buddies, but he's not too jolly to punish those who truly deserve it. The shoujo does not harm people with his magic unless they've harmed someone else first. His sake is only poisonous to the evil and the cruel. But the non-virtuous who sip the shoujo's delicious elixir can expect to suffer a painful end. Western audiences might be inclined to connect the shoujo to satyrs or Dionysus of Greek mythology and other legendary purveyors of alcohol and fun, but the shoujo has more in common with legends of fae. They don't represent wild abandon, they serve to restore balance. A shoujo may get us drunk, but the inebriation serves as a litmus test to reveal man's true nature, not cloud it. The shoujo embodies the allure and risk of alcohol. In Japan, traditions surrounding sake are very much tied to honoring both hosts and guests. It can be a sign of disrespect to decline an offer of sake. According to some stories, it may even lead someone to wonder if you're hiding ill will or contempt. So how do you feel about your own potential wickedness? Maybe you're honorable enough to survive a party with a shoujo, or maybe the last thing you see will be a bright red face toasting as you drink to your death. Thanks for listening to Mythical Monsters. We'll be back next week with a new episode. You can find all episodes of Mythical Monsters and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. I'll see you next time. Mythical Monsters is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythical Monsters was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Riche, with writing assistance by Alex Garland, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 